Hey guys, I'm Brittany Cox, the voice of Nancy Drew, and you're listening to the River Heights Buzz. Welcome back to the River Heights Buzz podcast, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) We are on episode 24 tonight, and just a heads up for everyone, this will be a two-parter, for sure. We are talking about Midnight in Salem, and neither... Actually, I'll say that for a second. We're your hosts. (laughs) I'm Alexa. And I'm Candace. Welcome. <laughs> so, this will be a two-parter, as I just said, because the both of us did not finish this game. <laughs> yeah, this one, it's just so different, like, navigation-wise than the other ones, that it's really, it's it's taken some time to get used to. Yeah. So um, we'll we'll get there uh, when we get there. I'm really I'm also not trying to rush it. Yeah, because we waited so long for this game that I want to kind of stretch it out. I want to enjoy it. Um, I feel like the subject matter is super interesting, and so I don't I don't want to rush through it. Just plain and simple. Yeah. Um. But before we get into that, we have some fandom news. As you all hopefully have heard by now, we have been renewed for season four of Nancy Drew TV show. And Twitter, the day that it was announced, was going insane. Hello, my Drews. I know. It's so crazy how fast fandoms form for things like TV shows or bands or movies or whatever, it's it's so interesting to me because I feel like I feel like fandoms like this are a more recent thing within the last several years because I feel like when I was younger, there were fans of things, obviously, but not to the degree that there is now. And I really think that social media is a driving force behind that because social media can connect people from all corners of the world. Clearly it connected us in two different countries and now we do a podcast every week. So, you know, I mean, I just, I feel like things have changed um, mainly due to technology um, as far as people being able to connect over things that they really enjoy. Um, So it's been a lot of fun watching um, the fandom, you know, lose their collective minds over social media. Um, specifically, it seems like Twitter is really where people get going about the TV show. Um, so I'm super excited about that. The second that we learn any further information, we'll of course update our social media so that everybody can be aware. Um, but I'm hoping, at least as of right now, since they just announced it, I'm hoping maybe a sometime September fall release date. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. And speaking of Twitter, go follow us on there. Yes. That's and our new social media. It's at River Heights Buzz with one Z. 
Yes. So. Yes, we only had a certain amount of characters for that, so, you know. That's what we went with. Had, had to make an executive decision. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, okay, well, if you are ready, if there's no other information that I'm forgetting to tell everybody. I got one more special okay. piece of news. Okay. Stick around, everyone, to the end of this conversation because... Oh, yeah, this is the most important part. <laughs> because you will hear a Brittany Cox interview. Yes, she is so sweet. She was so much fun to talk to. And I think everybody's really going to enjoy the information that she tells. And if you, this is your first time tuning in and you don't know who Brittany Cox is, she is the voice of Nancy Drew. For uh, this game. For this game. Yeah. Yep. So, um, I guess without any further ado, I'll start um, giving some of the background of uh, Midnight in Salem if you're ready to go, Alexa. I'm ready. Okay. So, um, I'm getting my information from my beloved Nancy Drew wiki page, which is just nancydrew.fandom.com. Great little search engine where you can, like a database where you can pretty much put in any kind of combination of words from the Nancy Drew fandom and you'll find information on it if it exists. So um, Midnight in Salem is the 33rd game in the Nancy Drew adventure series and the first game in, this is in quotes, in the revival era. Um, I didn't know that that's what we were calling it, but I mean, it makes sense. It is kind of a revival. Yeah. Um, based loosely on the witch tree symbol, it sees Nancy trying to clear the name of Deidre Shannon's cousin in an arson case in Salem, Massachusetts. Um, as you all are aware, Deidre Shannon has shown up in a couple other games. The one that really comes to mind for me, at least, is Alibi and Ashes. Yeah. And she's just lovely, as always. And we say that sarcastically. <laughs> yeah, because she's a pain in the neck, really. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we'll get there. Um, originally announced in May 2015 at the end of Sea of Darkness, the game was initially set to be re released in fall of 2015. However, in August of 2015, Her Interactive announced the game would be delayed to revamp the series under the Unity engine. Um, Alexa and I were talking about this earlier. I don't really have any knowledge whatsoever of game making engines. Um, so if anybody has any information about Unity, that'd be awesome if you want to pass it along, because I, I my brain doesn't work that way. I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah. So um, after numerous delays, the game was finally released on December 3rd, 2019. Uh, let's see. So here is the premise. And this says this is from Herner Active's website. Nancy Drew unexpectedly finds herself in Salem, Massachusetts, investigating an arson on the Hathorne estate. The Hathorne house was originally constructed by Judge John Hathorne, inquisitor of the infamous Salem witch trials, and the final home to 102-year-old Francis Tuttle, his last direct descendant. 
When Tuttle passed away, the estate became city property, and while the mayor was seeking a manager to oversee the estate, the home burst into flames. The ongoing investigation has little evidence, but concerned citizens have accused May Perry of arson and are pressuring the police to arrest the secretive teenager. As Nancy races to uncover the truth behind the arson, she discovers connections to the house's past with the Salem trials and finds herself drawn into a struggle with supernatural events that she simply can't explain. Nancy's convictions are put to the test. Are the ghosts real? Has Salem's dark history come to life? Or is there someone else to blame? Time is short and Nancy must find the answers before the clock strikes midnight. That's an amazing description if I have to, if I do say so myself, like, yep. super good. So that was a lot to say, but I'm good. I'm ready. So if you're ready, let's just dive in. And um, we, I don't know if we stopped right at the halfway point, but I feel like at least in what I've seen so far, like other people's gameplay, which I've seen a, a few, I feel like we made it kind of to the halfway point. I think so. so. Um, go ahead and say our normal disclaimer. This is just one version of gameplay, especially with what I've read on this game. There are multiple different ways to play this out and different ways of doing things. You don't necessarily have to do things in the order that we did. And even our gameplay together could be different. Yeah. So. Um, and I will say, okay, before I say what I was gonna say, Junior or senior? Junior, always. Junior, me too. <laughs> I have a special guest, everyone. I'm sorry, one of my dogs just walked in. Um, so if you're ready to go, I'm ready, and we'll just we'll just get going. Yeah. Um, so there are essentially only two locations in this game. The game opens up, and Nancy is actually in Austria. Um, little unclear. Was she there just? to be there i think she was because i think i think carson had sent her to get some kind of book of some kind so it was just kind of like a working semi-leisure kind of trip kind of okay that's what i was thinking but i wasn't 100 percent sure um so like i said we're in austria nancy is like in this castle which is awesome. I would love to visit a castle like that. Um, and she is looking for um, a book for her father, Carson, um, the book of apologies. And essentially what she's doing is she's looking in this old judge's, I guess, collection of items. Um, and this particular judge is Judge Samuel Sewell um, or Sewell. Um, who was one of the judges during the Salem Witch Trial in Salem, Massachusetts in the 1600s. And <laughs> I feel like you don't see the name Sewell very often. Um, and it's kind of funny because that's actually my married last name. Um, so my husband and I always like to joke that he is a descendant of this judge because this judge was an actual real life person. I'm not sure, you know, since you're from Canada, Alexa, I'm not sure how much um, as far as your history classes taught you about the Salem Witch Trials, but that was one thing that um, I think a lot of people learn in the United States in public schools, just because it was such a um, strange time in history in um, America. Very strange time, people being accused of being witches. Um, 
probably not one of our shining moments as a country, you know, just accusing people of, you know, doing things that don't really exist and then putting them to death for it. Not really a shining moment, but it's something that happened. And so it's something that we definitely have to learn about. But this is one thing that I love about the Nate's Drew series is that there are times where they take real life events and use it as a learning experience. Funny thing is, is that there's this other like non-Nancy Drew game that I play. You know what it's called? What? <laughs> Town of Salem. <laughs> oh, really? I don't think I've ever heard of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of like you have to figure out like there's all these different not just witches, but like there's a whole bunch of different roles involved, like witches and vampires and like vampire hunters and all that kind of stuff. So Hmm, that's interesting. I really don't think I've ever heard of that. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to close my door because I hear my husband playing games downstairs. Um, so, um, that's interesting. I don't think I've ever heard of that. I'll have to look into that. Um, so, like I was saying, um, Nancy is looking for this book of apologies, which I was really confused about until she actually explained essentially what it was. Um, so... I guess after the events of the Salem witch trials, Judge Sewell felt bad for his actions. And so in a kind of, not necessarily twisted way, but in an interesting way, he wrote these names in this book as kind of like, I guess his version of reparation for what he did. Uh, I guess, you know, committing these people to death for I'm going to go ahead and say it's something silly, you know, I mean, there's never been proof of any of these people in real life that were accused of witch being witch or accused of witchcraft ever actually did anything to hurt anybody. Um, so I don't know if that necessarily is a real thing that he wrote this book. Um, but I did a little bit of background research on the real Judge Samuel Sewell, he did write a, a diary that apparently is a, a pretty popular um, book that people can read if they're interested in this kind of time period in American history. Um, so I don't necessarily know if it's like the Book of Apologies, but I assume that that's supposed to be something kind of similar to the real life book that he wrote. Um, so, you know, Nancy, we have a task in front of us. She's going to do her darndest to get it done. She finds the book. And then before I even knew what was happening, a stranger in an all black outfit jumps through the window, uh, lets off essentially a smoke bomb and makes off with the book. Of course. Yeah, nothing is easy ever in the Nancy Drew series, no matter where we are, no matter what game it is, no matter what book it is, no matter if it's the TV show, nothing's easy. Yeah. Makes you appreciate it more in the long run, but yeah, we'll get to that. Um, so Nancy, of course, is now panicking. She was tasked with the job of getting this book, bringing it back to the United States for her dad, for whatever purpose he needed it for. And now it's stolen. Meanwhile, she, her phone's ringing, and of course, of and all of course, times to call, you want to hear from. Deirdre. Uh, Deirdre. We've had many experiences, if you're familiar with the Nancy Drew game series. We've had many experiences with Deirdre, and she's been in some books as well. 
Oh, gosh. And she's a pain in the butt across any platform that she's in, not necessarily just the games. So Nancy's got a lot on her plate going on right now because, like I said, she was trying to find this book. It's now gone. She was talking to this doctor, um, Elizabeth Hurst. Is that her name? Yes. Yes. Who was terrified to go into that room that Nancy was in. So she was like having a conversation essentially with like a wall because she didn't want to come in. And now Deidre's calling. Doesn't know why she's calling. So um, Nancy essentially, you know, tries to find whoever this was that took the book. And the person gets away, but she finds a plane ticket to Boston. And there's like, is A.W. on that or is there another note? I think, wasn't there? Because there was the plane ticket, the can of where like the smoke bomb and then I thought there was three things I thought there was two but I know the smoke bomb and the ticket I don't remember <laughs> I'm not sure but either way Nancy's you know putting together we're gonna have to go back to the United States <laughs> um, so she finally talks to Deidre on the phone who like I said is delightful as always And Deidre basically says, I'm in Salem. I need your help. And I don't really like that I'm having to ask you for your help. But regardless, I have a cousin who is in trouble. And if you could meet me in Salem, I will pick you up at the airport. So, you know, our girl Nancy being Nancy, she's like, you know, I got something that I'm working on right now got to go to Boston so I'm going to be kind of in that area anyways I'd love to help you yeah last act mm-hmm. so basically what's happening is um, Nancy makes it to the airport Deidre picks her up in the car and they have a conversation um, so this very famous historical house in Salem burst into flames one night and Deidre's cousin, May, is uh, essentially accused of arson. Um, apparently, the local police and one of the judges is trying to gather evidence and make a case against May to prove that she's the one that set this house on fire. Uh, not a lot of information at this point. It's still super cloudy as far as what exactly is going on and why the house caught fire. Or really even why May is being accused of this. Um, And this sounds all too familiar, Candice. Yes, it does. It does. And I didn't realize it until I started doing uh, the background research for this game that this was based off of the witch tree symbol. And then I realized, I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. We read this book. We have an episode talking about this book. And so to refresh my memory, I started listening to our podcast and looking (laughs) at my notes (laughs) just to refresh my memory because it's been a minute. It's been a few weeks. Um, And at first I was like, how in the world is this like this book? Because if you recall from this book, this book takes Nancy to Pennsylvania Dutch Amish country. Like, wait a minute, there's none of that in this. 
But then I started thinking, oh, remember when they accused Nancy of being a witch because of all the symbols that were being found? So now, now I see the comparison. And to- then another thing that sounded like it, like the game seems familiar to, is Alibi and Ashes. Yes, yes, very true. Where Nancy herself is accused of arson. Um, that's a great game. And we will get there eventually. Yes, we will, for sure. Because that's that's a really good one. I, I really enjoy that one. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we are in the car with Deidre. She's kind of giving us as much information as she knows, or at least that's what we think. Um, so, yeah, May is a teenager in Salem who's being accused of this. Um, she refuses to essentially talk to anyone, let alone the police. She will not give an alibi. Um, she's really not helping her case at all. It almost she's making herself look guilty. And it almost seems as though, like, she's helping someone in a way. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah, she is so secretive to the point where I was even thinking, okay, something else is going on here. This isn't just about her. This is bigger than her. Yeah. But I'm not quite sure what yet. Yeah. So, um, Deidre also mentions that the Hathorn house, which is the house that was partially burned, is supposedly haunted. Yeah. We'll get there. <laughs> uh, so we make it to, I guess, Tegan and May's house. Tegan is May's sister. She, she's older than May, right? Yeah. Okay. So um, it was around this time that I first started seeing strange things with the game. I felt like Tegan's character was kind of suspicious. It felt like she wasn't like finishing sentences. I don't know. I got a weird vibe from her. Yeah. Kind of strange. Um, One way to not make yourself look fishy. Yeah. And then there's a brief mention of another separate fire and May's accident. Didn't get a lot of information about that. So Mace is, she's turning into a complicated character. Like there's a lot more that I feel like we need to find out about her. Um, and you can almost tell, like when Nancy's talking to her, it almost, cause like, you know, on like half of her face is covered with her hair. You can mm-hmm. kind of see like an outline of a burn on her face. Yeah. So. Yeah. So she's got some kind of backstory that we just don't have all the information on you, but hopefully we'll get there. Um, So Tegan is a a pretty good hostess. She basically says, you know, you can stay at the house. Um, You can look around as you need to. If you need anything, let me know. I work at the museum. You can come talk to me there. Um, But, you know, if you need anything, just let me know. Try to talk to May. Um, see if you can get information out of her, which is like pulling teeth, trying to get information out of her. Um, so Nancy kind of, we look around, um, and I, that was when I first started talking to May and first thoughts literally out of my brain were she's very weird and she's super secretive. Like 
I was only giving a couple words out of her at a time. Mm-hmm. Not helping me at all. Um, then I started looking around the house again, and that was when I found the torn up note in the trash. Did you find that? I actually left the house and then came back and found it. Okay. Um, yeah. So I found that note, looked around the house some more. Um, then that was when I realized that uh, Deidre and I needed to go to the town square, I guess, and meet Judge Danforth, who is another character in the game that you need to meet. Um, and then as we're walking out the house, I think that was when Ned called. Ned called, right? We didn't call him. He called us. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, I have many questions. Many questions. Yep. Uh, where was Ned? What was he doing? And who's that girl in the background? Like, literally, what? Okay, hold on. Someone actually, I put out, like, what are your thoughts on the game on Instagram? And I have to find it. I think someone made, like, the similar comment and was like, who took Ned's phone? Oh, yeah, here it is. It's quite from Shrunken Adventures on Instagram. They're like, it was, <laughs> I knew who, eh, hold on. Wish I knew who that girl was that took Ned's phone. Uh-huh. Is Ned cheating on Nancy? I would never say that. I think that Ned is... They're young. Like, that's the, the picture has always been painted that Nancy is like an 18-year-old. Ned, I always, in my head at least, imagine him being maybe a year or a year and a half older than him. At least in the books, he's always um, been described as being a college student. Um, and I think that that's actually referenced in a couple of games as well. So in my heart, I'm trying to say, oh, he's just like at a party or something like that and it's totally innocent like I can't I can't say anything else because Nancy and Ned have to be together forever that's just that's I, just as much as I love Nancy and Ned together don't get me wrong but if this is like Ned seeing somebody else if that's the case, I ship Nancy and Frank party. Yeah, I know you're part of that ship, and I, I understand. <laughs> I do. It's just to me, I just can't. And nothing. I have nothing against Joe. I love Joe. No, and Ned. I know. I know what you mean, but I feel like Joe. Joe's a little immature. Yeah. And I feel like Nancy wouldn't put up with that for very long. I think that it's like, they have to mesh. Yeah. Yeah. It's like. It's it's interesting. I, I, I mean, and I can't imagine him seeing someone else because he's the one that initiated the phone call. Yeah. Like, if you're doing shady stuff, you're not going to call your girl. So you can be caught in the act. 
Unless it was that <laughs> the other girl that was with Ned, maybe she called Nancy and then just gave the phone to Ned. Maybe. I don't know. I can't think like that. Like in my heart, it Ned forever. <laughs> but anyways. Um so we get in the car with um Deidre get to the town square and the first piece or the first person that we actually see there in the town square, which is bustling really. Like it was, it was a lot more active than I thought it was going to be. Cause like you see the one area where it's like the courthouse judicial area and there's like protesters out front, but then you see like the actual main part of the square and there's like a raised stage that's there. And there's this girl, Olivia Ravencraft, and she's like doing this whole little spiel about witches and is saying that, you know, a few years back, this coven of witches moved into Salem. And I mean, she's really trying to sell it. You know, she's like your standard salesperson in like a touristy area. Yeah. Pretty so, much. <laughs> but she has a cool costume. I'm going to give her that. Yeah. I'm gonna give her that. So um, it was interesting though that Nancy mentioned that you know when Olivia Olivia is doing her whole spiel, she does like a smoke bomb thing, and it's almost exactly the same as the person that stole the book of apologies. Kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Something to think about. Put on the back burner. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know we get a little bit of information from Olivia when she's done. Um, doing her whole witches thing and basically you know we learn she's originally from Salem born and raised and she says that May is troubled Mm -hmm. which makes me curious how she knows that because I feel like at least I don't know if it's ever said but I feel like Olivia is probably a good several years older than May and maybe it's just like a small town kind of thing I don't know um, I don't know. But I, th- I think Tegan and Olivia had a past, though, didn't they? They did, like? actually, now that you mentioned that, so maybe that's how she knows. But, I mean, I feel like she's even older than Tegan, though. And I don't even think, do we know exactly how old Tegan is? I don't think so. Probably Nancy's age, if not older, I would think. At least a year or two older. Yeah, so early 20s. Probably. Um, Just out of curiosity, I'm looking up the population of Salem. Um, Okay, so it's not overly huge. 44,000 people. Yeah. So smaller-ish compared to other, um, other cities. But so maybe that's that's how she's familiar with May. Um, but uh, at this point, at least, I walk towards the, uh, like I said, courthouse, judicial center. Um, at least here, those words are kind of interchangeable. Um, I don't know what you all call them, if you call them courthouse or or whatever in Canada. I think that sounds about right. Okay. Yeah. Because, okay. I mean, we've always called them courthouses here, but then there was legislation that was passed that updated buildings. And so those buildings became judicial centers that had like other offices in them as well. 
So we have like, so we have like city hall, at least where I am. So that probably has like, like the different parts in it. Be similar. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to probably use those words interchangeably. So if I say judicial center courthouse, I mean the same kind of building. Um, But the first person that I meet there is Alicia Cole, who apparently is a a lawyer. Mm -hmm. And um, one of my favorite lines that Nancy says so far in this game was during this part where she said, I'm a lawyer's daughter. Don't mess with me. (laughs) Like, all right, Nancy, go off. Tell her. Oh my <laughs> so, um, you know, task at hand, we're trying to find Judge Danforth to figure out what, if anything, he has against May. Um, so uh, Alicia tells us that he is down the hallway. So we go to his office. I was really confused by this. He's locked in his office. I was confused about that too. How are you locked <laughs> in an office? Right? It's usually the other way around. You would be locked out of it, but I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's some kind of weird extra security that they have because he's a judge. I mean, I don't know about in your area, but um, for the, those listeners that aren't familiar, um, I work with attorneys, and so I spend time in court, and I know kind of how court is, at least in America. Um, the newer buildings where court happens a lot of them have um, areas where like the higher up important people like judges can actually drive into like an indoor parking area that's part of the building strictly for protection. I don't know if that's a thing in your area or not, um, but it's pretty common here. So that's why I was thinking maybe it was just some kind of weird extra protection, but it just, it threw me off that he was locked in his office and not out of it. I honestly don't keep track of much of like that political law, all that kinds of stuff. So I don't really know. Um, But that could be the case where it's like that extra protection part of it, where it's like, you know. (laughs) Otherwise I, I couldn't make it like work in my brain like I couldn't figure it out but I'm not going to get hung up on that and as far as you know that kind of security in America that might just be an America thing because it's kind of crazy to live here but we won't go down that road um I don't know about you but that freaking lock to open the door took me forever it took me like 15 minutes so don't feel bad (laughs) trying to pick that lock with a paperclip I mean, I know Nancy's good. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not that good. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. It took me a minute. Like, usually, I think, like, in the past games, it's, like, you just, like, do, like, click this one, click that one. If it doesn't go, okay, then start from the beginning. Click, click, yeah. whatever. This one, you, like, you have to, like, you actually have to use a physical mouse, not, like, on, like, your keypad of your laptop or something. And then, like, you click on it, like, and you have to go like so slow to make sure it clicks in place and then yeah. if you mess up like oh gosh you have to start all over again yeah and you have to be like oh god yeah it was like super meticulous and it kind of kind of reminded me because I, I dislike this mini puzzle if you want to call it a mini puzzle in secret of the old clock when we had to use the sewing machine 
for that dress for Jim Archer's wife, how slow you had to move with that and how meticulous that was. I I haven't played that game in a while, so I don't really remember that part. We'll get there. We'll remember it real quick, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we pick the lock and we get in there and it's weird, but I'm willing to look past it. Um, So basically, we learned some more information about this house. Um, Like I said, it was the home of the former Judge John Hathorne um, back in the 1600s. His last known descendant, Frances Tuttle, lived there along with Lauren Holt, who was her caregiver, who we actually later learned was her daughter, right? Is that right? Or did I just make that up? I don't remember. (laughs) I feel like they're related. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. If I'm wrong, then just forget that. But either <laughs> way, Lauren is her care was her caregiver. Yeah. And so essentially the, the situation is um the estate had 90 days to figure out who was gonna be in charge of it, and we're two days away from that 90-day time period being up. And if something doesn't happen in those two days, then that house and that land is going to end up becoming public property again. Um, almost, this almost reminds me of like the final scene where you had like three days to finish everything you had to. <laughs> yeah, it makes everything a whole lot more dire when you're like running on a time crunch like that. Because I feel like there are a lot of games where you don't have that kind of scenario. You can just go at your own pace, wake up, sleep wake up and it's not like no actual like game time has passed if that makes sense yeah um what i don't get is like when you're going in and out of the courthouse or like any other like building why the heck do you have to like does it the screen go black i don't know because usually you just like go on the door it shuts behind you and it's just like you're right there yeah I don't get it. (laughs) That's, yeah, one of the many things that I'm not really sure of. Um, So, you know, one of the things I love about Nancy is she pulls no punches. Like, she just says what she's thinking. And she basically gets the judge to say, yeah, I don't have any evidence against May. She's not giving me an alibi, though. So, you know, it's very strange. Kind of puts... Puts him in between a rock and a hard place trying to, you know, keep the citizens happy. But it's very strange. And then he also makes mention of this AW group, which apparently is a group for accused witches. So I guess those are descendants of people that were accused of being witches. I don't know. I I didn't really catch all of that information. Um, And then... um, we're getting ready to leave his office and he mentions that someone broke into the evidence room and says that he actually wanted Nancy's help with that. And then Nancy's like, okay, so did you call the police? And he says no. And then to forget about it, that he'll figure it out. I'm like, okay, that's suspicious right there. You're a judge. Why didn't you call the police? Yeah. What are you hiding in that evidence room? that you don't want the police to find out. Yeah, it's it's very strange. Um, 
Anywho. So at this point, I left and called Elizabeth Hurst again. And she talked about how she was studying um, the witches in Europe, I guess. I actually didn't talk to her after the beginning. Okay. Okay. Um, I also called Deidre's voicemail. Have you done that? No. Okay. Just for kicks and giggles, I called. And on her voicemail, she calls herself a professional private investigator. Oh, gosh. She's like the a sidekick. At best. I don't even know if I'd call her a sidekick. But anyways, that's just me oh. having beef with her. Oh, my gosh. Um, Every time Nancy turned around, Deirdre was, like, right there. Yeah, it was, like, the worst scene in um, the final scene when Joseph is right in your face when you're trying to um, get the oil from him. And he's working on the wheels of that chair in the theater and his face is just bam right there i i need at least an arm's length distance at least and like deirdre's like you guys can't see me but he's like <laughs> can you yeah, see like so close like literally right in front of your face like stepping on the back of your heels hate that yeah, so okay. especially times like now with covid and everything back it up yeah six feet yeah Yeah. um so i explored a little bit in the town center and realized that there was like a sinkhole yeah i don't know if that's going to come into play later i guess we'll see um so i think at this point yeah i'm looking at my notes at this point i went back to may and tegan's house and um deidre's like you got to get May to open up. Like you got to get her to talk, you know, whatever. Um, so at this point, May is like listening to music. Sorry. My Apple watch just talked to me. May was listening to music, which was like the same music that we were listening to in Deidre's car. Yeah. And it was kind of a weird choice. And I don't know, you got to that part, right? Yeah. Could you hear the original game music underneath it too? A little. I thought that was a weird choice. Like, if you're going to have May sitting there listening to music, why are you having the regular game music playing at the same time? Like, it's very confusing because they're very different types of music. Yeah. It was very confusing. I thought that was a strange choice. But anyways, um, so at this point, May is kind of starting to talk a little bit more than she was. And she mentions that she had lost an animal print lighter and asked Nancy to find it. And it takes like two seconds to find it outside. I actually didn't find the lighter. I didn't even look. Oh, it's outside. Sorry. Okay. Um, (laughs) Sorry. Um, So uh, I talked to May a little bit more and she says that she visited the Hathorn house a lot. Which I thought was kind of weird until she explained that... um, she, I'm trying to, I hope that I explained this right. She explained it that she liked going there to see, how did she explain it? The repercussions of people's actions. Is that how she said it? I don't know. It was very weird and like emo sounding. Yeah. It was, it was strange. Um, I don't know about you, but the, the dialogue between the characters, especially on Nancy's part, it was really hard to hear. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, 
And another, going off of that too, it's like the text bubbles were delayed. Mm-hmm. So it's like I actually had to click, be like, okay, like go to the next one. I want to know what's actually, like I can hear what they're saying, but I actually want to read it on the screen. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm big on reading it too because that kind of helps, like reinforce it for me. Um, yeah. And I think it was at this point that I found out that May is actually friends with Judge Danforth's son, who I have not met yet. Yeah, I haven't met him either. But I wonder if that's kind of why Judge doesn't like May. Could be it. Um, so, yeah, like I said, May's sitting there listen, listening to her music. We get a little bit of information out of her, not a whole, whole lot. She's still kind of a tough cookie to figure out. Um, and then walking around the house. Uh, Deidre sitting like in that kitchen dining room nook kind of area part of the house and Nancy says it's time to go to the Hathorn house tonight and then Deidre flakes out because she's a baby but by her voicemail says she's a professional private investigator don't go acting like a chicken when you're a professional in air yeah, quotes. She's anything but a professional. But she does say things happen after midnight in Salem. What kind of things, Deidre? That's Love what I'm going uh-huh. But um, that's essentially as far as I've gotten. Um, it <laughs> took me a long time to get there. I'm not going to lie. Um I'm trying really hard to go into this game with an open mind just because we have waited so long for long years. Um, And I'm trying to be as positive as I can be about this. Um, I have a problem with the graphics. Mm -hmm. And when I say graphics, I mainly mean the characters. I feel like the surroundings and the area and the backdrops are beautiful. Um, They could be a little bit more 3D, a little more interactive. Um, I feel like the character models are more 2D than I want them to be. I feel like um, they could have done more with this Unity um, game platform. I don't know how it works, so I'm not going to act like I do. I just, I guess I expected more from the wait time than what we got. I don't know how else to describe it other than that. I think a lot of people are, were thinking the same thing just because like we did wait this long between the games and it's like they had this amount of time to work out the kinks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just, I feel like, and I know I've said it before, and I probably sound like a broken record, but I feel like Sea of Darkness, the game before this game, was so visually beautiful and rich that it was almost a letdown. I know. Like, we're, tr- we're not trying to be so, so critical of Midnight in Salem. But, like, we're trying to be as nice as we can, but it's kind of hard. Yeah, it's tough. 
It's tough. It's just so very different. And I understand where the thought was coming from, because I think at one point um, when they were working on the development of this game, that there had been discussions of using different platforms for this game, meaning that there could eventually be a version of like an Xbox or a PlayStation or like a Nintendo Switch or even I think virtual reality. Um, what's the the game system? Oculus, I think is what it's called. Um, my brother-in-law has um, one of the Oculus virtual reality game systems. And let me tell you, that is insane. I don't know if you've ever played like virtual reality, but it's, I was sweating when I was done. Like it was a lot. Um, it's kind of hard to grasp that when you're wearing that headset, cause it's like a headset that you wear over your eyes. So you can't see, you can only see what's in the game using your, you can only see what is in the program. You can't see like what's actually around you. Like it blocks your, your field of vision. So you have to make sure that there's nothing around you that you can like trip over. Cause you could get hurt cause you can't see. Um, so uh, maybe this would be better in a virtual reality kind of scenario. But then again, the character models are so rough that I don't know how exactly that would translate. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But I I see kind of where they were going because, I mean, if you think about it, there have been other games that they've used in different capacities. Like for White Wolf of Icicle Creek, it was made for the Wii and was pretty similar. Um, Curse of Black War Manor, there's apparently a DVD game that you can play with your remote. I don't have that. I've never played it. I'm sure there's probably playthroughs of it on YouTube. Um, but I mean, this isn't the first time that there's been mention of a different kind of game system for it. So, yeah, I mean, we're almost come December of this year will be what three years from this game coming out. Yeah. So who knows? Yeah. Uh, it's hard to tell where they're headed from here. Um, I know there are some people that really like the game a lot. And like I said before, I feel like the premise of the game, very strong. Yeah. But since we haven't finished it yet, I'm not sure how we'll feel if our minds will change by the time we finish. I don't know. I'm trying my best to keep an open mind. We'll see. Yeah. Um... I'm not going to say it's the worst game I've ever played because it's not. Yeah. It's different. And maybe that's just me being stuck in my ways yeah. and being fickle, you know, but. Yeah. Even there's like, there's another comment on Twitter, look, Twitter, Instagram, like on the one thing I posted from Rachel, I'm not Fawful. If I said your, if you're, if I said your name wrong, I apologize. You're saying that it was the game at hot take. It actually wasn't that bad. I think if the graphics had been better, then people wouldn't complain as much. But overall, I like it better than, say, Shattered Medallion or Ransom of the Seven Ships. Right. Right. So, yeah, I think that, um, 
I'm not going to pretend like the graphics as far as the characters are the only thing that's wrong, but I feel like if that was taken care of and was a little smoother, a little sharper, um, as far as like distinguishable features, yeah, I think that would be a, a really big step in the right direction. Um, but I mean the company itself had an entire shakeup. like they had a new CEO at this point when they were developing this game kind of all of a sudden um, they had some people that were let go they had some people that quit so they had new people come in that were not familiar with the other 30 plus games that had already been done and then on top of that you use a new game engine it's like everything stacked against them. Yeah. So I understand they kind of have to get their sea legs with it. This is the first game with this new engine. Yeah. And from other things that I've seen, I mean, some pretty amazing things can come out of it. Yeah. Um, so someone not, else on... Go ahead. Someone else on Instagram, they were like, their username is D underscore luminous underscore infuser said that this they dislike the clunky graphics but like the story vibe and music the music was great yeah really enjoyed the music um I feel like it felt it fit the vibe really well kind of spooky kind of mysterious yeah, yeah it, it worked um, I don't know. Like I said, I'm trying to keep an open mind. Yeah. Um, we'll see how it how it turns out. I don't know how long it's going to take me because I feel like it took me forever to even get as far as I did. Yeah. So. Hi. It's it's a tough one, but I'm willing to make it work and get through it. Um, we're, we're in this together, Candace. Yeah, we are. We are. Um, I'm not going to give up on them yet because, I mean, it takes some getting used to. I don't like change, but mm-hmm. that's part of it. So, when, what happens and, uh, you know, just hoping for another game. <laughs> yeah. But um, other than that, I think that's everything that I've got. That's all I got. Part one. I got too. For part one. Yep. So we will revisit this at some point. I'm not quite sure when. Um, Do you want to go ahead and and briefly discuss our uh, upcoming schedule for the next few weeks? Sure. So over the next nine weeks, we're going to be talking about season one episodes one to nine and then we're going to take a break for two weeks and then do the back half of season one so episodes 10 to 18 Mm -hmm. but like we'll talk about it every week about like kind of like what we're doing Mm -hmm. so next week is season one episode one that recap um we've actually already recorded that one right miss candace yes we have because we've had a very special guest that joined us 
and that worked best for her schedule as far as not filming on a Monday, since that's typically what we do is film on Mondays. So you'll hear that next week with our guest, and you'll just have to wait and see who that guest is. Yes, but it was a very fun conversation. Had a good time. Yep. And if anyone, any one of you listeners want to join us on an episode talking about the show, let us know. Yes, yes, we're always open to that and ideas. I mean, pretty much anything you guys want to tell us, just let us know. Email us, send us a message on Instagram or Twitter or put it in the Facebook group, any of that kind of stuff. Yeah, and we'll definitely get back with you. Um, I think that's all I have. Is that all you have? Yep. All right. Well, then I will lead us on out. Um, thank you all for listening to this week's episode of River Heights Buzz podcast. You can check us out on Instagram at River Heights Buzz. You can email us at riverheightsbuzz at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and our Facebook group. Or you can find us on Twitter at River Heights Buzz with just one Z. Uh, check us out next week as we dive into season one, episode one of Nancy Drew, the TV show. And stay tuned next, everyone, for the Brittany Cox interview. It's a fun one. Oh, yes. <laughs> see you next. Well, see you live in two weeks. That's right. Bye. Bye. Hello, hello. Welcome, special guest. Would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, hi, <laughs> my name's Brittany Cox, and I'm the voice of Nancy Drew, and I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> we are so excited that you are with us tonight. I am fangirling, and I'm trying to contain myself, and it's so hard. <laughs> oh my gosh, we're just hanging out. I'm fangirling to be here, so, you know, we're just, we're just going to chill. <laughs> <laughs> But yes, listeners, we do have Brittany Cox on with us tonight for a few minutes, and we are lucky enough to get to ask her a few questions about, well, lots of things. So, um, Alexa, do you want to get started? Sure. Um, I know that, you know, you and your husband, Ryan, were working on the project together for Midnight in Salem. Yeah. What, What was that like for the both of you together? Oh, that was so cool. It was um, such a nice surprise because it just kind of happened out of nowhere. Um, When we were working on the game, um, I was working on it first and they were asking about my home life. We we had a lot of downtime where we were just hanging out and it's like, oh, my husband writes music. And they said, oh, really? Send us his stuff. We would love to hear it. And so he sent them some samples of other projects he's worked on. He usually works in sci-fi mystery horror type things. 
So it ended up being a really good uh, combination and kind of what they were looking for for Midnight in Salem. And they decided to bring him on, which was so cool. So when he was writing the music, I was actually able to uh, talk to him about, you know, what was going on in the game and all that stuff because I had already recorded. So it ended up helping him out a little bit, having a little more insight into the game as he was writing it. Cool. That's interesting. I wonder if any of the other composers had kind of a similar opportunity because I'm sure that really was a big help in composing the music. Yeah, it was. And it was really cool as a um, actor to see that part of the process because I never get to see that stuff on other games I work on. And um, yeah, it was he got a lot of spreadsheets and got a couple of, you know, a a bit of the animation. But uh, a lot of it was more description and like, how does this work? And who is this person again? I don't know. Are they maybe a villain? Maybe not. Are they best friends? Are they frenemies? So uh, it made for a very fun collaboration. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, kind of along those lines, can you tell us a little bit about other projects that you've been a part of? Kind of what your resume all includes? Oh, sure. Yeah. So um, I work uh, I work in a lot of different genres. So I do a lot of commercial work. Um, so uh, some of my recent campaigns have been Sonic Drive-In, Fandango. Um, I do some stuff for Microsoft and Amazon. Um, I also work in video games and animation. So uh, one of my animated shows is called Rainbow High, which is on Netflix right now. Um, I was also in the Descendants animated film that uh, came out a little, uh, was it a year ago? Maybe it was a little bit ago. Um, And some of my video games, uh, I'm in Genshin Impact, uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses, oh gosh, uh, uh, WWE 2K22, I get to play a wrestler, which was (laughs) surprising and super fun. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of a sm- overall smattering of some of the things I've done. Wow. That's a, a wide variety of different, different types of jobs. Yeah. I, I feel very lucky and you know, it's so much fun working with so many different people on so many different projects. And I, I feel like my parents didn't really understand what I did until they heard me on a commercial on their radio and they were like, Oh, was that you? Oh my gosh, I get it. (laughs) (laughs) Very cool. (laughs) So um, one question that I had, what were your initial thoughts once you realized that you had booked the role of Nancy Drew? I blacked out. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I I remember the moment I got the email because I had had like, a bunch of um, different back and forths. Like I had auditions and then I had a video callback and they never really said what it was for, but I was like, uh, I was pretty sure. I was like, this has to be Nancy Drew. Um, And I vividly remember sitting in a cafe. I was in a client meeting and we had just finished the meeting and I looked at my phone and the casting director had emailed me and said, oh my God, you're Nancy Drew. And I was like, (gasps) people in the cafe probably thought I was crazy because I was like, ah! (laughs) (laughs) So it was a very uh, exciting moment. Uh, People probably thought I was insane, but you know, I was happy. (laughs) I understand. I mean, I I couldn't imagine being in your shoes and and realizing, you know, what kind of role you just received. Uh, Words probably can't describe it. 
Yeah, I mean, and especially I I came from um, the book world, the Nancy Drew book world, and I loved reading all the books. Like I still read them. Um, I grew. My mom, when uh, I could finally tell her I was in the game and was voicing Nancy, she like found all of my books that she had kept that were all Nancy Drew and Hardy Boys. She was like, "Look, you still, I still have these," um, which was very cute. So. Uh, yeah, it, it felt like such a cool moment for me. And, you know, it was very exciting. Absolutely. <laughs> Alexa, you have more questions? Yes. Um, <laughs> if you could go, like, out of all the, like, the Nancy Drew games and all the locations that Nancy's been to, if you had to pick somewhere like a road trip or like just a random trip somewhere, who would you like, where would you go and who would you want to go with? Like from the games or like real life? Oh gosh. Um, she's been to so many really cool places. Like all the, um, I, all the like creepy castles and stuff. Like I've never been to a castle. So I'm all for that. Um, anywhere with hidden rooms, really. Um, but if I had to go on a trip, I think what would be super fun would be, I would love to go to Australia and I would absolutely take the Hardy Boys with me because I feel like we would get into so much trouble in such a fun way. Like you got kangaroos and koalas. I'm sure there are some mysteries out there somewhere. For sure. <laughs> and you got to be sure you have cheeseburgers for Joe. I know. Yes. <laughs> and I love cheeseburgers too, so I think that'll be okay. <laughs> they have cheeseburgers in Australia, right? They have to. I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. They Maybe they just call it something different. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good answer. Um, I have a question when it comes to recording, and we actually were lucky enough to speak with um scott cardi who voices ned and i asked him the same question and it's okay if you don't have an answer for it i just was curious do you have any superstitions or things that you have to do to get in the mindset of voice recording oh i love that that's such a great question um for me uh, i always warm up is that like that's always a, a health thing I do um, is I do like singing warm-ups and mouth warm-ups and stuff um, before I audition um, or get in the booth or get ready for a session. But what I also do is after I warm up, I always have either a playlist or a couple of songs that are that I either sing along to or I just listen to as like a playlist on the way to my job um, that kind of gets me in the mode for that character or that game or project. Okay. So that's kind of my, that's kind of my thing. It like gets me, gets me ready. <laughs> cool. I didn't know if you would have an answer for that, but I thought, you know, you might. So no, that's such a cool question. I love stuff like that. Cause I mean, those are things that, uh, every actor has something, whether they think of it or not. And, uh, it's, it's something that we don't ever tell people and it just happens. So yeah. What a great question. Thank you. <laughs> like, do you have anything else? Yes. Um, She's what? like, let me pull out my list. <laughs> I actually got like my little notebook. I'm going to be see it, but like my little notebook here with. <laughs> I do the same thing. I always have to write things down or I'll forget. So 
yeah. <laughs> um, what, what, like, did you do specific kinds of like training or like any of that kind of thing when you were going into like voice acting? Yeah. So, uh, to get into voice acting, I kind of fell into it. Um, I had come from a theater background, so I was doing um, some onstage stuff. So I went to college and got a theater major um, with a acting or with a history double major, um, and I was doing theater uh, in Seattle. And my agent at the time uh, started sending me um, on camera and voiceover auditions. And then my husband worked in a recording studio and they needed someone to do a voiceover really quick for something. And I just happened to be there and they were like, hey, you're a girl, get in the booth. We need someone to read this line. So I, did, I guess they needed someone to play like the college girl who um, for some alumni event for a local college. And uh, so I did. And they said, hey, you don't suck at this. And I was like, oh, Okay, cool. This is great. Uh, so I was, so I started auditioning, started training, uh, just to learn what is voice recording. Like, what does that even mean? Uh, I was really bad for like a year and a half. I really bad. I cringe listening back. Um, but I started getting better and better and learning um, more about what my voice does and what I'm good at and what I like doing and. Then it just kind of snowballed from there. Did that even answer your question? I hope it did. I, I talk a lot, and so sometimes I get derailed, and I'm like, did I answer the question? <laughs> it's okay. You're in good company. Happens to us, too. Okay, cool. <laughs> and, like, another question, kind of, like, going off of that, um, if there's anyone that's, you know, like, listening, and they're thinking of, hey, like, voice acting is something that I'm kind of interested in, or any of that kind of thing, do you have any, like, tips or suggestions for them? Oh, yes. I, uh, yes, I have so many. Um, so there is a, a great website called IWantToBeAVoiceActor.com. Anyone who's interested in being a voice actor, I always tell them to start there, because it's created by a wonderful voice actor, uh, named D. Bradley Baker. Um, he's in everything. And uh, he has compiled all this amazing information about all different types of voiceover, how to start classes, where to get started, what does home recording mean? Like everything. It's just such a great free resource. Um, so I always recommend that. Um, and for anyone who wants to get into voiceover or who is actively pursuing it, it's all about a journey. No one's journey is the same. You know, so, some people, they start booking right away and then they might have a slower time. Some people, it takes a while before they book that first job. Stick with it and have patience because all of your hard work will absolutely pay off. It's just everybody's journey is different. Like for me, it I didn't book my first voiceover job until I was in my mid-20s. And like that's really late for some people. Um, and I know other people who are very successful voice actors who didn't start booking until they were in their fifties. So there's no one way. So just stick with it. And you know, if it's something that you're passionate about, surround yourself with those people who are also passionate about it. And it, it's going to be amazing. Wow. That's really, that's really good advice. <laughs> yes. I try. <laughs> I, I always think about, I'm like, 
what do I wish someone said to me when I was going through this? And you know, all the nights of crying and being like, I'm terrible, no one wants me to where I am now. And it's like, okay, this, if someone had told me this, I might not have believed them, but I, it would have been nice to hear. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. So kind of along the lines of actual recording, how has that changed for you at least um, due to like COVID? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, the great thing about uh, COVID um, with in regards to recording is uh, most voice actors had record a recording setup of some sort in their home already because to audition you have to have a home some sort of home setup. Mm -hmm. um, I was very lucky that I had a uh, because my husband works in production. Uh, I already had a full home studio, so once COVID happened, um, I could already work from home. There was no lag time. Um, and so it, it's been a challenge, you know, cause we don't get to see people in person, which has been really challenging. So it's a lot of zoom calls, a lot of Skype, uh, a lot of phone calls. Um, and sometimes like if the, uh, internet goes out in my building for some reason, can't work that day, <laughs> which is frustrating or in the engineer's home then they can't work that day. So that that's made things a little challenging, but um, it's been really nice that I can wear my PJs. That's been really great oh, yeah. uh, and still record. My neighbors probably think I'm insane because you know, I'm yelling at all hours uh, and saying weird things, um, but it's it's been really nice. And I, I look forward to going back to the studio more regularly. Um, we've started going back a little bit, which has been really nice. Um, but it's still like, I would say still 80% is from home. Right. Right. I think that's one of the things that a lot of, um, companies and different career paths have learned is that there are more things that you're capable of doing at home than you really once thought. Yeah. And it's not as hard as they thought it would be. Cause I remember, right. Um, when I first moved to LA, everybody was saying, okay, so to do these big video games, to do these animation projects, you have to live in LA. They only want people who live in LA. And now that they, these clients realize, oh, we can record people from anywhere. It's really opened up, um, the talent pool, which is, you know, increased the diversity and the different voices and everything. So now they're able to access people from all over and it really opens up more opportunities, which I think is super exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so if you had the chance in the future, you know, once COVID kind of clears up a bit more and things return to whatever you consider normal. <laughs> yeah. What um, is normal at this point? <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. Um, would you ever want to participate um, as like a special guest or, or something along those lines at like a comic con or have you done that in the past? Or yeah. Oh, that's such a great question. So, um, I had before COVID, I had never been a part of anything that had come out that was like really big and exciting. Um, but a lot of my friends were going to conventions. Um, and since COVID I, uh, have been asked, uh, to do a lot of virtual conventions, which has been very cool. Uh, and I went to my first in-person convention, uh, last month actually. And it was my first time going to one. It was all outdoors, which was really nice. And everybody was all masked up. So it felt very safe and everybody was very respectful, which was really nice. Um, so yes, I would love to go to more conventions and see people. And it was, it was so nice 
to see people in person. And also like we all got to nerd out about all of our favorite things, which was really cool. Like all our favorite video games and animation, like those are my people. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best part. Right, right. I saw that there was a, um, there it was, I don't know if they're still going to do it, but there was a Nancy Drew convention that happens or happened in the Southeast where they do like a whole weekend thing. I was like, oh, I didn't know this was a thing. This is so cool. So, you know, bucket list, even yeah. to just go as a guest, just to like participate, I think would be so fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've seen, I know what you're talking about. I've seen that too. I've never been, but I would love to go. Cause I think it's in a new location every year. Oh, oh, that's sure. cool. Yeah. Okay, so, so people who are listening, who run the convention, do it again. Invite all of us. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, I I want to say there. I'm a part of several different Nancy Drew groups on Facebook. I want to say it's Jen Fisher who oh. is in charge of it. Um, she had donated a large collection of her books and memorabilia to um, a library, I believe, in Oklahoma. Um, so she's like really big into it. I think she runs her own website. I think she's the one that's in charge, if I'm not mistaken. Wow, good for her. That can't yeah. be easy. Uh, I'm sure it's not because I mean, <laughs> there are uh, hundreds of people that attend this every year. And I think she has people that help her, but I think she's the main one that kind of organizes it all. I couldn't imagine trying to get that all squared away. I can barely put together dinner, so I can't even imagine <laughs> orchestrating all these people. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure that it takes months and months to organize and prepare for. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I only have one more question myself, and this is uh, something that I asked um, Scott as well. If you all had the opportunity to do like a table read in the very beginning before you start recording a game for Nancy, would that be something that you would be interested in just to get like kind of everybody else's thoughts on their characters and dialogue and where it is heading or? That would be so cool. Cause um, in video games, typically what happens, and this is for any video game, um, you know, Nancy Drew or any of the other ones, typically we never get to read together. Um, I don't even hear what the other characters sound like, you know, I'm just doing my lines and uh, the director will uh, read the other characters' lines if it's a conversation, um, but I never hear what the characters actually sound like. So that would be so cool just to kind of be able to hear what everyone sounds like. Um, yeah. For the for Nancy, what was cool though, since I didn't get to hear anybody, they did have a big poster board with all of the characters who were in the game and with their names underneath it. So I could see them. So when I was talking, I be, could be like, oh, okay, it's that person in a suit. Oh, that's the chick who runs the shop. Oh, that's the crazy lady who does the tours. Okay, got it. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm sure that that helped at least. It's something to put kind of a name to a face. Exactly. Um, but I think a table read would be super fun. I bet yeah. it'd be so difficult with everybody's schedules, but maybe one day. <laughs> yeah. I was always curious because I think like TV shows and movies do that, but I never knew if that was kind of a thing in the video game world or not. Yeah. You know, and for, um, for video games that I've been a part of, uh, that are, uh, have a lot more characters, like some video games have hundreds of characters. And so like, it would take days to read the script. So that's probably why they don't do that. Nancy Drew, yeah. I feel like we could do some scenes and we could get that done in like an hour or two and like chat through some of the scene, big scenes. Yeah. <laughs> 
that makes sense. <laughs> I've got another question. Yes. Um, if out of like all the Nancy Drew games, which one or like two would you want to see be turned into like a TV show or kind of like any kind of like film kind of adaptation? Ooh, ooh, there's so many good ones. Um, so I really, I really enjoyed the, um, oh my gosh, uh, Sea of Darkness. It gave, uh, like, I really enjoyed that game. And it, it gave me, did you guys watch the Nancy Drew TV show yet? Oh, yes. Yes, I, I love it. Kennedy McMahon is so delightful and is such a nice human. Um, and when they announced the show and they announced me for the game, uh, she was so nice and we chatted a bit. Um, and she's such a cool person. So I, Sea of Darkness definitely gives me those vibes of the show, for sure. Oh, yeah. um, so I guess I've already done that. Um I think ghost dogs would be cool because it's creepy and I like creepy stuff. Um, oh, I'm trying to think. Uh, tomb of the, oh, I'm going to embarrass myself. Um, it's the game called tomb of the, it's the one where they're in Egypt. Tomb of the lost queen. Thank you. Thank you. I like, there's so many, I'm always like, which, which one is it? Um, uh, I think that one would be super fun as well because I'm just really into that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, cool. yeah, lots of cool options. I don't know. I feel like all of them, if they could take, you know, do a TV series where, like, each episode Nancy goes to a different location, <laughs> it would just uh, kind of like the Carmen San Diego show. We go to a different place every every week. It would be super fun. And then it would go on forever. That's, yeah, that's the most I'm important okay with part. That. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have another question. Um, do you think that, like, if Nancy were to go on, like, a trip with Ned, like, just, like, some, like, weekend getaway or something, do you think that they would have a mystery-free weekend? No. I would want them to, but that it will never happen. They will plan on not having a mystery, show up, a mystery will be dropped in their lap, or Nancy will... In, we'll find one and uh ned will be like nance let's just chill and she's like no we got to do this thing and she'll drag ned into it and it'll become a whole mess but they'll have fun <laughs> yeah and at least then like because usually ned is like a phone character in the games oh. and it's like at least if they actually have a mystery and they're there together nancy doesn't have to call ned and like bail on him <laughs> Every time I'm always like, oh my gosh, every time I loved the, there were, there were a couple of Nancy Drew books where Ned and Nancy were solving things together. And I was like, this is so fun. I let's have more of this. I agree. <laughs> Maybe in the future. Who knows? <laughs> that would be great. Yes. Um, I have one final question. Okay. Would you, cause, um, uh, well, we're, or we would have talked, mentioned it, but the Nancy Drew show with Kennedy McMahon got renewed for season four. Um, yeah. Which is so exciting. Would you want to make a guest appearance? Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I like anytime, girl, I haven't been on camera in a very long time, but I will do it for that show. That would be <laughs> hilarious and super fun. So yeah, 
call me. <laughs> I'd be down for that. If there's a petition to sign, I'll sign it. Okay. Well, if I see one, I'll send it your way. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I mean, I have to say, I thought they did, they've done such a cool thing with that show. Like, I didn't know if I would like it because it's a different direction, but man, that casting is so good and the story is so fun and it really sucks you in. Yes, it does. Yeah. It does. Each episode goes so fast. I know. And it leaves you waiting for the next one. I'm like, Wait, it's over? Hold on. No. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. Good storytelling. (laughs) We're, like, just, like, starting to rewatch the show from the beginning now. Uh And it's, so, the (laughs) I mentioned it to Candace last week, where it was, like, at the end of season three, Nancy's in the graveyard, and she's, like, where did all the bodies go? And I made the point, I'm, like, because Lucy Sable's grave... You know, they were in the cemetery in season one. Yep. Was that the same cemetery where all the bodies were gone? Was that the same one where Lucy was buried? Yeah. Maybe. Reaction. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, I guess we're going to find out. <laughs> yeah. I hadn't thought about that. And she said it. And my mind was blown. Dang. <laughs> I think... <laughs> You know when you're a true Nancy Drew fan when you start thinking like her. (laughs) (laughs) It's a true talent, man. And it, you know, (laughs) and I think that's the great thing about this stuff is it like it encourages people to like think in different ways and to problem solve in different ways. And I'm all about that. And to, you know, cause a little trouble. Good trouble. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's all the questions I got. Yeah, I think that's everything that I've got as well. Um, thank you so much for spending some time with us. No, it was it was my pleasure, really. I, I was so honored, again, that you guys asked me to join and, you know, come on your show. And I, I, I'll talk about Nancy all day, any day. So this was, this was such a treat for me. So thank you both for having me. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Uh, can you shout out all of your social media for everybody oh. where to find you? Yes. So I'm on Twitter and Instagram uh, and it's just my name, uh, Brittany C. Cox on both. So pretty easy to find. And yeah, let's, you want to talk about Nancy? Hit me up. I'm down. (laughs) Sounds good. Thank you again so much. Yeah. Thank you both so much. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll be hanging at one of the Nancy Drew conventions in the future. I'm so down for that. Yes. That would be awesome. (laughs) Well, you both have a wonderful night. And uh, yeah, we'll chat again soon. Thank you so much. (laughs) Bye.